Good morning. Welcome to Modern Babylon. Name is Ryan Miller. I apologize for uh, letting so much time go by since my last podcast, but to kind of give you reasoning behind the time gap would require, uh, I don't know, diving into rabbit holes that most people don't want to go into. And there's a reason I'm coming today. Uh, there's been a lot of things that have been uh, happening in the outside sphere relative to my advocacy inside of school districts, um, the, the pushback in the local community, the disparaging comments completely out of context, and the slander def defamation. And I, I totally expect it. I totally do. But the others that are, that are getting ensnared in this have not understood the depravity of man. And I, w I was talking with um, some of the people in my PMA and about how to have people become aware of what's happening. And I often use language that sounds very off-putting and it requires a lot more context. And, and if you know the way I communicate and the way I think, I, I don't want to assume any person's degree of knowledge or understanding as to why things are the way they are, or how they've gotten to where they are, and, and, and their particular belief of their involvement. And, and my wife made a very, very simple, basic statement. And I've shared this statement with people in my PMA. We are all the heroes in our own story. Not that we truly understand what is heroic, but we are going to assign ourselves the hero of our own efforts and our own story. So when we communicate with other people or we read what other people say, they are the villains in their story if they don't do what we need to have done or believe the way that we do. And we read and we, we apply this intention to words that may not exist. And social media is the plague of this ap epidemic that there's no tone in text, there's no context out of tone, and it's just this keyboard warrior vomiting of communication. And the actual face-to-face nonverbal communication never takes place, and there's this just constant battle. And I challenge people to recognize, while you may feel that you're the hero in your story, the other people are viewing themselves as the hero in their story and you're the villain. Now, I want to get back into what I attribute to my ability to determine when I am the hero and when I'm being in the villain in the same sentence. See, there's this thing that I call discernment. It's our ability to recognize that our brain is actually functioning properly. Can we soundly reason and understand that we are going to put ourselves in a hero role well, we actually may not be the hero and we may be acting wicked. And I understand this about myself. I cannot say I'm the hero. I can't say that I'm wicked. I can say that I can travel on this sine wave of up and down and up and down. And that's because I have my own awareness and discernment that I have a foundation, something that I stand upon, that it can be my mirror to determine if I am walking in what I would call a God-honoring, biblically-rooted truth. 
And I quote, my moral objective standard comes from the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. My morals and ethics are teased out of that book as well. And the only way for me to hold that as a foundation is if I ingest it and I study it. So I've been communicating on various social media platforms. I've been putting out a newsletter and a dear friend of mine said, Ryan, I'm loving what you're putting together. I can overlook your punctuation, spelling, and typographical errors because I know, I know who you are, dude. I know what you can produce, and I'm not going to microanalyze that you didn't put an apostrophe, a comma, or you, you double-tapped on a T. That you're trying to, it's the intent of your message, not the craftiness of your message. And he said, Brian, I want to give you something that you need to read. Now, I live in a culture where reading is, a, is an archaic art. It's dead. People don't read. They're watching flat screens, they're scrolling through TikToks, and they're reading 70-word texts. And the ebooks that I have produced are sitting on a shelf gathering dust in the digital vault that they're not being read. But I read. I read a lot. And he gave me this book. He told me to get this book. Christian Life and Character in the Civil Institutions of the United States. I'm not done it yet. Darn close. But it talks about the experiment of our United States. And what was the purpose of people leaving the Netherlands and leaving Holland and Ireland and France? Why, why these people were fleeing and setting up colonies in the New World? And what, was, what were the foundational beliefs of the people coming into the New World, becoming the governors and setting up the schools and the civil society and civil order? Where did that come from? And reading through the founding fathers and the people that were being coming into our country were spiritually disciplined people. They came from very various sects of Reformed theology. You had Lutherans, you had Presbyterians, you had Episcopalians, and then there was a movement of Catholicism that moved into our country as well. But the founding fathers themselves, even on the Mayflower coming over, they were in prayer and meditation and worship and study. It was a pattern, it was a practice, it was a discipline. And the success of our country was birthed out of the precepts that were in that book. So I say the Bible, for me, is how I get my ability to discern correctly. Because I have the ability to declare moral objective standards and I have the ability to reason through truth and seek truth. And for me, I take it one step further, the only ability for me to know what the Bible says regarding truth is to read the darn thing. And to study it. But this message is detestable in our modern world. The Bible has been demeaned. It has been argued. Well, it is one of the most historically accurate texts of the world that we use archaeology verified through what the text says. It's amazing. But I don't want to get into an argument on the authenticity of it. But I just want to say it is the most powerful instrument to soundly reason. Now, as I was invited to go into the Octorero School District to advocate that entire scenario with my actions and my documents is available in public view. There are people that are taking what I have done in public 
and redacting it, trying to take build a narrative in the context, out of context about what I do, without addressing my core foundation as to why I was there, because they didn't even know why I was there. They made up a narrative as to why I was there. Not look at the texts and the evidence as to why I was there. And I am doing something for myself because my rights were the only rights violated because I stood on my rights. I know what they are. I know there's a legitimacy to be afraid of the tyrannical contempt authority response to someone wanting to be free. I knew it so well that I predicted it and I put it in an ebook and said, if you do this, this is what I do. And I said, I had to hope for the best, but plan for the worst, and I need to be prepared. As a Boy Scout, an Eagle Scout, being prepared, I need to be prepared. Not with violence. I'm going to tell you what prepared looks like. I will submit to you being violent against me. I will not resist you. I will not fight you. I may go flat on the ground limp, but that was all written in my book as to what I will do based upon my prediction of you being wicked, wretched people just doing your job. Here's the deal. You just got to follow your orders. I get it. I don't disagree that you need to follow your orders. But when your orders are unlawful, you have a moral objective to object to doing something immoral. If you don't, you are no worse than the brown shirt individuals in Weimar that were dropping canisters into the chambers to gas millions of people. You are them. When you say I'm following an order and you don't object to the order, knowing that you may die because you're afraid. You're afraid. We are all afraid of our flesh. We're afraid of not advancing in our careers. We're not We're afraid of not being able to get our pension, afraid for job security and promotion and recognition and getting the roof over your head and food on the table. I get the fear. We all have it. I don't have that kind of fear because my God is bigger than that fear. I wear this hat. You can't see it if you're listening to it in the podcast, but it is a hat that I wore as I was fighting for cancer and going through the horrors and the side effects of cancer treatment to this day. I'm wearing it because I got back from treatment and I'm freezing cold. I was not afraid of dying. My wife and my daughter had this conversation about, did I want to go down this path and put these chemicals in my body which we don't know if I didn't take them, how long I would have lived. We don't know that. That's the unknown. And we were told that this path has a degree of success for a period of time, and I will have to go through it again and again. And I said I didn't want to do this to my wife and daughter. I didn't want to put my body through that battle, the financial strain of that battle. And I'd said... Let God do what God does. If he chooses to take me tomorrow or a year from now or five years from now, God's perfect plan is going to work out. But we made an agreement that my wife and daughter said, Dad, you need to fight. I was like, oh, I'm not opposed to not 
to fighting. I just don't want necessarily this degree of fighting, which is going to destroy my body through chemicals when I have a decision to not destroy my body through chemicals and let it go its natural process. And they said, we need you to fight, Dad. And it's like, all right, I'm going to give it my best fight. And I've documented that fight. It's on my YouTube channels of me having poison put into my body, me witnessing in the hospital while I was getting that poison. I did the best fight I could summon. And it looked strange, looked very weird, but I'm not afraid of being weird because my God's bigger than that. And I wanted to manifest the fruit that I'm told. I've, I've, I've been given commands. I've been given commands and I want to be obedient to those commands. Sure, I fail. So my advocacy in Octorera, there's, a, there's only a very few small amount of people that have any knowledge as to what's really going on in there. And there's two lines. There's two camps. One camp is you're going to believe the state actors, regardless of what they say, truth or not truth, you're going to believe them. And I can't convince you otherwise. And I'm going to move you off to the side and say, game on. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm just going to say, this is the human condition. You're not going to read. You want to be told what to do, and you're going to follow. I got it. No problems. I say there's consequences with those decisions. I'm aware of those consequences. But you're choosing not to acknowledge that piece or even explore that piece. So that's, that's on you. There's another camp of people that are silent that's saying that they're supporting what I do, having what I'm doing, but having no knowledge of what I'm doing. And they claim that they're supporting. And they're trying to hitch their arms to say it's a we the people fight. And I'm like, no, no, you're you're over here. You are silent. You don't communicate with me. You don't interact with me. You talk about me in side channels about, oh, I agree with this, I disagree with this, out of an an average knowledge set of zero because you haven't downloaded anything I've written. You haven't gotten an ebook. You have, it's a zero. It's a big zero. So you're not aligned with me because you don't even know me. And then there's a very, very small set of people which has been involved in watching this play out. And they've seen my stumbles and my falls and my successes. And I have not achieved what everybody wants to know, what is the answer? What is his success? What is the success that you have had in being free? You have none. I'm fighting for success from the violations that happened to me. You're willing to be violated. So you have no success. You have submitted to the state and everything that it says, and you're an obedient little slave. Sounds harsh, but it's true. You just don't know to what degree you have consented to things that you have you have elevated the state to that of the king as opposed to the right the rightful place of the biblical king and God and Jesus. My message is to say that that idolatry is a violation. You've created an idol. And that idol is now safe for you. So you bring your incense to the Caesar with his currency and give it back to him joyfully on April 15th. 
the master servants of order followers that administer civil justice, whatever they say, you say, yes, Amasa. Because you don't want to be appearing, objecting to their authority without concern whether their authority is lawful or not. So recently I was invited to go inspect some documents in the Westchester School University. Apparently there have been right to no law requests and orders based upon appeals that the documents would be available for inspection and the ability to be lawfully reproduced and shared, not in violation of copyright. But I went there and I recorded the incidents. There's three short little videos of me being violated three times by three separate individuals. Violated my rights. They represented authority that they didn't have. I clarified that they didn't have the authority and that they were acting in their private person capacity, which means they had the ability to correct. They've been reminded, they've been put on notice. I'm giving you the opportunity now to go check with your authority to verify what you're saying is true. If you do not go and check and verify what I am saying, you're acting in your private person capacity. It doesn't mean much to people, but in our civil structure, the, the protections of our public servants are deep and wide. We don't have the privileges they have. They have an endless bank account of money that we give to them that they can use in legal defense to protect them so that they're not held responsible. And we get sucked into this administrative process, which you are certain to lose because you don't know the process. So I put them on notice. Three individuals deprived me of my inalienable, unalienable rights. They leaned on my rights. Not only did they lean on them, they quashed them. And I let them know. And I said, I can't reason with you to do the right thing. I can't reason with you that you call your boss or call the solicitor. I give you the opportunity, but I'm just telling you, if you don't do that, you're being unreasonable. Why do I use that word? Graham versus Connor. I just want to give you the opportunity to be a reasonable public servant. I don't like to say public servant to them directly because that that's, doesn't sound nice. To them, it doesn't sound nice. But you could be reasonable or not. I'm giving you the opportunity. They, one woman said to me, I don't care what you give me. I'm not going to look at it or touch it. I'm like, okay, all right. I can't make you do it. But I can make you aware of the consequence of not doing it. And I don't have to do it right then. If you won't take my paper, not a problem. I'll send it to you via certified mail requiring your signature. Not a problem. So after I had my rights violated with someone ne next to me, who is experiencing the same violation, but they didn't know how to articulate it. And I understand and I give them grace for not knowing how to do it or how to do it. I was modeling it. His rights were not violated because he didn't stand in the way that I did. I kind of teach about this. So there's another individual in that school district that is one group of people is why won't he stop doing this? He's causing a problem for our election. I'm like, what? Wait, 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 wait. Your school board election. Do you want candidates that will demand transparency and accountability in your public servants? Do you want that? Yes, I do. 
what are you not willing to do to get it? Are you not willing to do what I did to actually hold them accountable? Yeah, you don't want to do that. So then you don't want accountability and transparency. See, what's the remedy? Nobody is interested in the remedy. They're always complaining about the problems and the problems. We got this problem with the election, this problem with ballots, this problem with mail-in, this problem. They can go on and on about the structure and the process and the problems. But what's the remedy? The remedy is you need to learn how to take your public officials and hold them accountable when they violate their oath. And then you clean house. And then you're putting people into a system that's still broken. So that's just one step of the remedy is to take the public servants that violate their oath, not just slap them on the wrist, get them out of office. When they, when they violate the Constitution and you take them into federal court in their private person capacity and they lose, they can't hold elected office again. So we can start that process. The next process is to put in people that know that they're going to be held accountable. Because when these public servants are starting to reach into their personal pocket to pay off these settlements, that's where we have change. They're pulling into your or my pocket. Nobody's taking them into reach into their own pocket. So my friend was asking me, would I come and speak at a public venue? And I'm like, why? First of all, the hosts of the venues don't want a voice like mine to speak because they're focused on uniting everyone in agreement and a rallying and exposing all of these problems. And the remedy is too hard. The rem- remedy takes too much time, requires too much knowledge, and involves too much risk. You have to know that the retaliation power of the state is real. And when you stand up to that authority and demand them to honor their oath, that's when the oppression comes in. The oppression not only comes in from the authoritarians, those with guns, but it takes form in the poor form of public servants doing things slanderous, defamatory, extorting, and and libel. And you get sucked into an administrative process and attempt to hold them accountable for the harms that they do with their keyboards. And nobody wants to get into that fight. Cost money, cost time, cost legal representation. And if you're going to do it on your own pro se, it's even more time and knowledge. Back to that reading again. And nobody's got time for reading. Nobody's got time for study. But they got plenty of time to be vocal and complain. And that they want a we the people solution where we the people solution doesn't exist. It's an I the person. I need to be honest with who I am and whether you're public with it or not, it's in who you are. What are you not willing to do to be free? Answer that question for yourself. I don't care what your answer is. You're not linking arms with me because it's I the person that is the plaintiff. There's no other plaintiffs next to me. Nobody else stood with me. And if you've got a problem with those in authority who have violated you, then it's you who are harmed, not we. Everyone is functioning under consent until they remove themselves from that consent. In the public school system, 
I've often talked about in loco parentis and signing that, that school handbook. And people don't want to hear that. They want the answer. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Sign the book. Don't sign the book. I'm not giving you the answer. I'm not giving you the answer as to what you're going to put your signature to. Because there's consequences if you do and there are consequences if you don't. And it's up to you to learn what those consequences are and to deal with it on your own and measure which consequences are, are, are easier to navigate for your family. If you don't want consequences from the state, then get out of the state system and get into homeschool. To say that consequences don't exist is delusional. If you sign that piece of paper, you're agreeing to in loco parentis. You're agreeing to all the policies which you haven't read. You've delegitimized your ability to argue about books in the library. You've delegitimized your ability to argue about your child being put on detention or suspended, their lockers being inspected, <coughs> their book bags being searched, the curriculum they, he they read, the curriculum they're being taught, what the teachers are teaching, transgender policies, kitty litter boxes and bathrooms. You've lost your argument. All you're doing is bitching, pardon the expression, because you've signed the contract. So those are the consequences that you obviously have accepted because you put your sign signature on it. Again, I don't have an issue. That's a you issue. But if you don't sign it, that gives you the power to argue. But then you're going to have consequences on the other side of the equation for you arguing. You will be ignored. They won't listen to you. They won't give you documents. And they most often will bring in law enforcement to have you removed because you're a problem. Consequences both sides. Easiest answer, get out of the system. Don't, that's not an option for you. Make your choice. So I'm about remedy for myself. I see that our world, pardon me, our country is in need, in desperate need of God's wrath and chastisement. We, I, have been derelict and my responsibility is to what I've been called to do from that book. I'm not a pastor, but I do know that I am called to love my neighbor and I succeed and fail in doing that. But I'm also called to take care of the, the orphans and the widows. But I live in a society that breeds and multiplies widows. Not through the death of a spouse, but a prison industrial complex of incarceration that is creating single mothers where the husband isn't dead, the husband's in jail or the partner's in jail. So we got a plethora of widows all over the place. We also have a culture that is incredibly promiscuous. So overnight meaningless relationships based upon sexual gratification and release is the norm. There's no one flesh. It's a reproduction of flesh conquests. That's counter to the design in that book. And then the, the orphans, that's the one that strikes my heart the worst. You know where the orphans are? There's 63 million orphans in the custody of God. 
because people have found it inconvenient to take on the responsibility and nurturing of a child. We've not allowed those orphans to appear and to take care of them through adoption. We've gotten to a society that says, this is an inconvenience. Let's discard an innocent human life. Maybe that human life was a product of a crime. Punish the criminal. Don't punish the victim. Punish the criminal. That innocent life has many people on this world that want to take care of that innocent life. They're prayerful that they get to take care of that life. We have a system that makes that incredibly difficult and makes it easy to just discard it and throw away. So God is looking at us and saying, widows, <clears throat> you're creating more <coughs> you're creating more of them and you're not taking care of them. And the orphans, you're just putting them up on my side of the balance sheet. You're making it my responsibility to take care of all those 63 million children that you have murdered. Imago Dei, image bearers of God. Now, I understand that's bitter, harsh messaging. But I have a basis to claim it true. Because the scriptures talk all about it. The metaphor for public education is, folks, you've taken your child... And the public education is the altar of the state. It's the ziggurat of the state. It's the Asher Tower of the state. It's the arms of Molech. You've taken your child willingly and put him onto that altar. And you signed away in local parentis. You don't have parental rights. Stop saying that. You surrendered your parental rights. You gave them up to the state. The state is now the parent. The only way to extract from that is to remove them out of the state. But you willingly put your child into that. And again, those are all personal, private decisions. I get it. You don't have a lifestyle that can, can afford someone to stay home and homeschool. It's too much of a challenge to learn what other resources are for homeschool. And this gives you a break as a family to get two incomes to live the lifestyle that you desire. I, I mean, there's tons of reasoning. And I don't want to negate any of those reasoning. But understand that is a choice that you have made. And you can't blame the state. Don't blame them. This is you did this with eyes wide open. Now, your degree of your eyes wide open varies from individual to individual. And this is the truth that I speak about that nobody wants to hear. Because... Once you have this knowledge, to this little degree, you have to own it. I often talk about my, one of my favorite authors, Dr. Stephen Meyer, who wrote this book, Signature of the Cell. I say this over and over again. And on Amazon, you will see all the criticisms of that book from the atheist community. And the atheist criticists of Dr. Stephen Meyer have not even read his book. They just provide logical fallacy arguments against a book they never read to sport their worldview of atheism. And I say to my friends, the reason for that is they can't own the knowledge in which Stephen is writing about in that book and have an intellectual scientific conversation on it 
because they don't want to be put in that position to be potentially lose that argument. They don't want to do that. So it's better to not have that knowledge so I could lose in an argument based upon that knowledge. So it's easier to argue the straw man than it is the presentation. My messaging in front of Moms for Liberty, which I've never been able to speak, within Chesco United, no desire to have me speak. All of these groups don't want my messaging, and I get it. It puts a burden on us as to what we are choosing to do or not do. And through our association of the group, we can get together and raise our flags and wear patriotic gear and hear the continual things that we agree we're being oppressed by. I agree, all of these things of oppression. (coughs) But your vote is not your answer. Fixing an election system is not your answer. You're putting yourselves into a system that's is designed to break you. It's designed to keep you on the slave plantation. Folks, we all are on the rail cars heading to Auschwitz. I have chosen to stand outside the rail car and stand up in opposition to the SS. Look at my vehicle stops. Look at my interaction with law enforcement. These people are just following orders and they're holding a gun and say, I have the ability to exterminate you if you don't follow my order. And I'm just saying, ooh, listen, I know you got the power. You got weapons to cause me harm and death. And you have a legal system that will protect you because you can say you are fearful of your life and you can make whatever claim about me. And if there's no evidence to to say you didn't, it's in your favor. I, I understand it. I'm not afraid to stand in that because I know I may lose. But that man that takes my life is going to hell for following an order. Those people that put them on the rail cars going to Auschwitz are going to hell for following an order. There's no worse destiny than hell. I try to reason with them and say, listen, man, you shouldn't do this. I won't tell them they're going to hell. Their hell is putting their head on their pillow knowing that they did something that they shouldn't do and they try to rationalize it. That's their hell, the mental torment. And I exposed that. I was in the car ride with Trooper Cernovic. And I exposed it through my words. And watch that video. Listen to his response. He is an automaton. He has chosen a profession that he will not stand with integrity. He will not stand in honor. He will not stand in respect of another human being. He will do what he is trained to do. And he was very good at doing what he said he, what he's trained to do. But I'll just bring that into the courtroom and say, what kind of man are you really, dude? What kind of man are you really? I'm willing to stand alone. Alone. Don't be delusional to think that you get a benefit of the violations that occurred against me to be beneficial to you. Here's my proof text. Simon Campbell, down at Pensbury School, fought, went to court, got a judgment, got injunctions, got orders, demands to the school for them to do certain things. 
to this day. The school hasn't done it. And the citizens have not stood on the success of freedom that Simon was able to accomplish. So Simon went through this entire process to get free for himself, to get a remedy and punishment of those in public service for himself. And all those people in that community, they don't even know the success that he achieved. And they're back into, yes, master, yes, master, I'm going to consent, I'm going to bow to your authority. My success will be for me if I had it. I'm giving it as an educational opportunity to say, do you want to be free? This is the journey to be free. If you don't want to go to that journey, I'm, I totally get it. The amount of time and energy for me to be free is un unbelievable. The expense, the burden. I'm hopefully giving you a message. My message is, if you want freedom, this is what it takes. If you're not willing to do that, or if I lose that and more to be free, then stop thinking you're free. Just obey. If you're not willing to fight to be free, just accept your lot in life and obey. And I'm not pointing my finger at you and saying that I recognize that I make my own decisions in circumstances that I don't want to make that fight. It is safer for me in this moment to consent to an authority which I have elevated above my God. And I got to work that out with God. And he corrects me and he chastises me and I'm still a disobedient, wretched worm. I have the affliction of knowledge in knowing that. I strive to rebel against it, have moments of success, have moments of failure. My question to you is, who are you really? Who are you to ignore what I do? Who are you to not investigate what I do and continue per perpetuate a message that you don't know whether it's true or not? So are you part of the gossip mill? Are you part of the slander machine? Are you trying to claim knowledge and benefit out of ignorance and having no association with me? I don't need you. I don't need you to, to stand up. I don't need you to talk to me. You do you. I'll do me. But don't be delusional to think you're free. And don't think that I am going to claim freedom for you. Those three violations that happened at Westchester Administration Office, I can take them to court. I can take all three of them to federal court. I can even make it bigger. I can make it much bigger. I can spend the time and energy to draft the federal lawsuit, to go through my process to hold them accountable and get them removed from public service. Why? Do I have a child in Westchester? No. Do I have friends with children in Westchester? No. Do I have concerns with the children going through Westchester public education? You bet your bippy I do. But there's no one there fighting for those kids where the remedy is. There's a lot of three-minute speeches of eloquence. There's a lot of emails and Facebook comments of rage. Not violent rage, but metaphorical textual rage. With elements of truth. But nobody is willing to come up and stand on the line. Why should I stand on the line for people that don't even acknowledge me? Won't look at the videos. Won't comment on the videos. How can I support you? How can I encourage you? Can you take this forward? 
Can I help? No, th- there's nothing. I would go to a meeting and have this presentation and I will get her. Thanks for fighting for us. I'm not fighting for you. I was violated. You weren't violated. Nothing happened to you. You put your kid on that bus, you send them to the school, they're getting what they're getting. You're not violated because you consent. Stop that. You are not harmed because you don't know what harm is and how to memorialize harm. Am I going back to Westchester? Maybe. Will I file letters of intent to sue? Maybe. That's my choice. But I got other battles to fight. And it's not yours. It's not Conestoga. It's not Great Valley. It's not Twin Valley. It's it's not Downingtown. Those, those are my battles. Wherever your kids are in school, that's your battle. You figure it out. You may hear my voice is sounding harsh, and that's not the intention at all. You may hear it as judgmental. It's not that either as well. It's just holding up a mirror to you and giving you the opportunity to say, am I who I claim to be and what evidence is there that supports it? What can I show that I have done? And if you're doing your three-minute speech, yes, you've done something. You have put your voice out, and I'm asking, what was the result of that three-minute speech? Is your child still in school? Are your rights restored? Have you reclaimed your parental rights, or are you still living without them? And at what point will you do something to get your kid out? What happens if you're I don't know, guidance counselor takes your child to a clinic and starts getting them, I don't know, hormone treatment to change their gender. Because they're 15, they don't need to consent, they don't need your permission. And your child comes home as a girl and starts getting facial hair and their voice starts changing and you're like, what the heck's going on? You can't blame them. You put them there. I don't know, folks. I provide a newsletter to help people slow roll through anonymity, keep distance away from me. Maybe my voice is too much. Maybe my passion is too much. Keep distance from me and learn what I make available. Read. Read the books. Read the e-books. Right behind me, there's a stack of e-books that I've created. That's just a small portion. I can't learn it for you. I make it available to be learned, but I can't learn it for you. And I certainly can't stand for you. I can only stand for myself. So I wanted to put this message together. And while it probably will not be well received, please understand the the spirit of my heart. We are due God's judgment. I will look at the judgment that if we were to come down from God, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Can I go look and find 20? Can I go look and find 15? Can I find 10? Can I find 5? Folks, I can't find 20. In an audience of 400, 
I got a big zero. So, Sodom and Gomorrah is real. There aren't any people willing to come running out. And when the judgment comes, the judgment comes. I'm out of here. Maybe I'll get trapped and I'll get smote as well. I'm all right getting smote. I have enough fruit. I have enough fruit of evidence that I believe when God sees that evidence, he'll go, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. And I don't believe I've done good and well yet. I'm still striving to get that. So I'm, I'm, my faith is that I'm going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's my faith. But I'm striving to do more. There's a doctrine of that. It's called perseverance of the saints. And I'm continuing to persevere. And I also know that I stumble and fail and fall and, and crash. That's another doctrine. But <clears throat> put that in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. I'm Ryan. This is a modern Bob Babylon podcast. And I'm the cultural contrarian. Take care.